Church at Indian Lake. As a companion text, John chapter 12, we join the church universal today celebrating Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, getting ready for the Holy Week as we look to Good Friday when he was crucified and to next Sunday morning when we celebrate his resurrection and new life with Easter Sunday. And I want to just encourage you to, we are going to fill this room up with chairs and it's going to be a great day. So don't, in the back of your mind, think, well, they're going to be too crowded. We are not too crowded for you. We're going to have plenty of space. This room can hold tons of people uh, when we get all of our chairs in. And uh, so I want you to make a point to be there. Uh, A lot of our families are gone this Sunday uh, because of spring break, but they are making a point to be back for next Sunday. And so it's just going to be a wonderful celebration together. And I can't wait till next Sunday to spend Easter Sunday with you. Zechariah chapter 9, I'm going to begin with with verse 1. I hesitated to read the first uh, first seven verses of Zechariah, but I think it will just give us some key context. It says, The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and will rest upon Damascus. I love this line here. For the eyes of men and all tribes of Israel are on the Lord. When we get our eyes on God, our enemies begin to scatter. When we get our eyes on the Lord, that happens. Verse 2, and upon Hamath too, which borders on it, and upon Tyre and Sidon, though they are very skillful. Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She has heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea, and she will be consumed by fire. Ashkelon will see it in fear. Gaza will writhe in agony, and Ekron too, for her hope will wither. Gaza will lose her king, and Ashkelon will be deserted. Foreigners will Occupy Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. I will take the blood from the mouths, from their mouths, the forbidden food from between their teeth. Those who are left will belong to our God and become leaders in Judah, and Ekron will be like the Jebusites. What you just read, this complicated scripture, was a list of all the lands and cities that surrounded Israel, all of their enemies, all of their opponents. And what you just read was like the ultimate, the ultimate, um, pre-war speech. How many remember? I know there's a lot of people who won't remember this movie, but the movie Patton that came out in the 60s. Let me see your hands if you ever saw that. That movie opens up and Patton is standing in front of the American flag and he just gives the ultimate, ultimate speech of motivation. And and this feels a lot like that. This feels a lot like William Wallace and Braveheart. Now, I know you all remember that movie where... He called the forces to war. It's like a, a Marine. Do we have any Marines in here? What's a Marine? Hoorah? I can't do it. I'm a wimp. Did we have a hoorah from anybody? Oh, that was a disappointment. Okay, but this was a speech that rallied the troops. That It would be like if God said all of the American enemies, this country is going to fall, and that country is going to fall, and God's going to do this, and God's going to do that. And so everyone's getting very excited. And we go on to verse 8, and I love this. God says, I will defend my house against the marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. Would you not agree that's a great word from God? 
that the oppressor will not reach my people. And now we get to verse 9. For verse 9 is foreshadowing Jesus on Palm Sunday. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. And at this point, you just feel everything building. We're going to conquer the enemies. We're going to, God's going to defend and come to our cause. Rejoice. Get happy. See, your king is coming. He is coming. Rejoice. And then all of a sudden, something unexpected happens. In the end of verse 9, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was foretold hundreds of years before Jesus came. He goes on in verse 10 and says something that would be disheartening for those who wanted a military king and wanted a military conquest. He says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river from the river to the ends of the earth. In other words, in this context, when the people related to Jesus as a nation and not as an individual, he said, listen, I'm going to stop. I'm going to oppose every other country. I'm going to defend my people, but I'm going to send somebody in peace. He's not going to bring war. He's going to bring peace. And in fact, his rule is not just going to be for this one chosen people, but his rule is going to be for the whole world. And that's why we celebrate on Palm Sunday what happened in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, many significant things happen. And let's read the scripture together starting in verse 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. In the middle of the story, we pick it up and it says, The next day, the great crowd that had come from the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In verse 13, they took palm branches They went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. That was in Zechariah 9, and there's other references too, but Zechariah 9 was the main reference. And he goes on and says, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. I want to talk to you a little bit about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we're going to parallel that as we move along because Jesus wants to enter your life. Jesus wants to come in your life in a new way. And I believe every week, you know, when we prepare for for Easter, it's a time of spiritual reflection for me. It's a time to say, Jesus, how can you enter my life? How can you take residency in me? How can your death and your resurrection bring death to the things in my life that need to die? And bring life to the things you need to resurrect. First thing I want to talk to you about is the crowd that was there. Verse 12 of John chapter 12 says, Next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This was significant. Jerusalem was a city at that time of about, of about 50,000 people. So it was about the size of Hendersonville. And yet, on the Passover weekend, those who were practicing Jews, were required to observe this festival. So the town almost tripled during that time. It went to like 120,000 people over this weekend. I mean, this was like Talladega on steroids here. You know, I have a, a friend of mine, or a man that I met recently, who's a pastor in Bristol, Tennessee. And 
His church is about a mile from the Bristol track. And this church literally has to shut down the week of the race because there's so much traffic, people can't get in and out. You know, when crowds gather for a purpose, strange things start to happen. And in this, in this story, the crowd gathered on Jerusalem, and obviously within the city walls and the city structure, there wasn't room for everyone. So you kind of had these temporary refugees that were living in the hills surrounding Jerusalem. And, I, and, and they were sitting out there, and they were just waiting for something to happen. Now, I've noticed something, that whenever crowds are waiting for something to happen, strange things happen. Whether it's a concert or a sports game or you're standing in line for a ride at the amusement park, whenever crowds are waiting for something to happen, they start acting strangely. And, and people who have paid good money to be at a sporting event or a concert all of a sudden begin to be obsessed with a beach ball. Someone blows up a beach ball and pops it in the air, and the crowd who have paid $50, $150 are leaning over and pushing over, just let me touch the beach ball, come this way, and they begin to motion the beach ball this way, and it's just an interesting social experiment. Uh, people who would be intelligent and have well means are obsessed with a 75 cents beach ball. There's just something about a crowd waiting that they get a little bit bored. I also think it's funny that the, the guys that have the T-shirt guns, have you ever seen those? Those guys that take the guns and like they, they shoot the T-shirts around the stadium. Those ladies or those men, before the game starts, before the concert starts, become the most powerful people on the planet because they point here and everybody, yeah, yeah, send me the T-shirt. And they're like, no way. I'm coming here. What about you up there? No way. These are the powerful people with their T-shirt guns. There's just something when we're waiting in line and we're bored, we begin to do things that maybe we normally wouldn't do. So here it was, all these people camping out outside the city. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard about the legend. Unfortunately, we find out that these same people who worshipped him on that Sunday or on that day were also the same people who a week later would crucify him. And I think maybe their worship was pretty empty. It was more of a spectacle, more of something to help them overcome their, burden, their, their boredom than it was worshiping him for who he really was. And then there's the issue of the palm branches. You've seen today we have these beautiful palm branches in our media, and palm branches have become part of worship on this Sunday. But there was a significant meaning to these palm branches on this day because these palm branches represented... Jewish national unity. During the time of the Maccabeans who tried to start a military overthrow, the, the military overthrow of the Roman government, they used the palm branches as a symbol of the nation raising, rising up once again and coming back to military power. So can you imagine what happened? The people are outside the city. They're bored. They're camping out. They hear Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Well, let's go check this out. Somebody grabbed the palm branch. And they begin to wave the palm branch to say, could this be our king? Someone else grabbed the palm branch. They begin to lay them down. And Jesus enters in, and you wonder, I don't know this for sure, because the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus was thinking. Maybe he was just thinking, they don't get it. They don't get it. They're waving their palm branches, and they're calling me the king of the Jews. But Jesus didn't enter the city trying to start a military uprising. He came to start a new kingdom. 
He came to start a new way of life. Jesus came into the city to change the order of things, not to start another war, not to start another conflict, but to bring peace to the nations. And they said something to him, something very meaningful, the words, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We, we sing a couple of songs with the word Hosanna, and our worship leaders, they've done a great job of, of reminding you what the word Hosanna means. It means, save us, Lord. And it comes from Psalms 118, one of the main passages, Messianic Psalms. Psalms chapter 118, verse 25 and 26. I believe it's right there. It says, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The people were looking for salvation that was manifesting in military might that was manifesting in an earthly king they had no idea that jesus was here to bring a spiritual kingdom and so they cried hosanna but what about the donkey the donkey was significant you see there in uh, the, the passage in verse 14 says jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written we, we know from the other gospels that he went through quite a process to find that donkey but why was the donkey significant well, when the kings would enter the city on a stallion or a horse, they were coming in saying, we have conquered. In fact, when Caesar had left Gaul, which is now France, he entered Rome, not just alone, but with all of the, the prisoners and all of the booty from the land and all of the things that would say, I'm a conqueror. They came in powerfully. When Alexander the Great had conquered all the nations now that made up the Mediterranean world, he had always entered a city in a horse with power and with pomp. When you came in on a stallion, you said, I'm the king that's coming to rule. But biblical tradition, and if we had time today, we could look through all these passages, that when a king came in on a donkey, they came and they brought peace. Jesus was very intentional. When he came in on the donkey, he was saying, Though the people didn't see it, I'm here to bring peace. I'm here not to come as a warrior, but to come as a friend. I am coming to bring a new order of things. And so with that in mind, let's go back to Zechariah chapter 9. Because this week I want to challenge you to let Jesus come into your life in a new way. I want to challenge you to let Jesus be real to your life in a new way. And as we look at Zechariah 9, I'm going to share three very short simplistic points. But they're only simplistic if you apply them to your life. We, we look there and it says, Rejoice greatly. This is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Zion. See, your king comes to you. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, that Jesus comes to you. Jesus comes to you. In a very you want a very complicated, and in fact, you can put that point up there. I believe it's on the screen. Jesus comes to you. A very complicated theological word for this is called prevenient grace, which means this, is that when you choose Christ, the ability you have to say yes to Christ is His grace. We don't go to God. He comes to us. He comes to us first. He comes and He initiates a relationship with us. We hold the power in our hand when we we decide to serve Jesus on our own terms. He gives us that choice, but that choice is a gift from Him. And so when we choose Jesus, 
And we must realize that he is coming to us. That God is creating the environment of your life. Jesus is creating the environment of life so that you would seek him, so that you would follow him, so you would go to the place that he is. That the, even the ability to receive his grace is a gift from him. So the king comes to us. Here's the second thing I want to point out. Jesus comes gently. Jesus comes gently to you. You see, that's not the way the people wanted Jesus to come. They wanted their Messiah to come in power. They wanted their Messiah to come predictably. They wanted their Messiah to come and to be spectacular. You know, if we're always looking for Jesus to be spectacular in our life, sometimes we'll miss his gentle move in our life. He's moving towards us. He's always creating the environment of our life so that we can get closer to him. You know, how does Jesus come to us gently? It might be through the prayers of a grandparent. This unspectacular grandparent who lived a simple life, but they've been praying for you. They've been praying that you would come to know God. And those prayers are how Jesus has come to you. And he's come gently. It might be a song you heard on your iPod. A song that just helps you connect to Jesus once again. It might be just a phrase in a sermon. It might be just the encouragement of a friend who had a very timely situation in your life, sent a timely email, or they gave you a hug at the right time. They took you out to lunch at the right time. And we're waiting for Jesus to come in this spectacular way. And if He wants to, He can. And we're open for that. And we don't see that His grace is in our life every single day. He's wanting to enter our life. He's wanting to come into our city. He's wanting to come. And we're wanting to define Him on our own terms. Say, Jesus, if you're going to come, you have to come a certain way. And the whole time, he's, very, he's coming very gently to us. And he's initiating a relationship with us. And I just want to ask you to open your eyes to grace. Open your eyes to how the Holy Spirit is trying to connect with you in thousands of different ways. Thousands of different ways that you're not aware of. He's trying to connect with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. The whole story of Easter is Jesus coming to us. He came to us, became one of us, so he could enter into our world. He didn't come spectacularly. He came gently. He came on a donkey. Lord, open our eyes to see that. Open our eyes to see what you're doing. Here's the third thing I want to bring up, I want to point out, is Jesus brings peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the ruler of peace. His rulership brings peace to the world. When we're looking for him to be something that he never claimed to be, look again, look on the screen with me there in, in verse 10. He says, I'll take away the chariots from Ephraim. I'll take away the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. The very thing that the people were relying on, military strength, military power, Jesus said, I'm going to take that away. That will not be your strength anymore. That will not be your standard. But I proclaim peace to the nations. I believe that many of you, your life is full of war. You're a man or woman of war. Everywhere you go is conflict. Everything you touch, there's not peace there. And Jesus says, I want to take rule in your life. I want peace in your marriage. I want peace at your workplace. I want peace in your relationships. I am the Prince of Peace. I want to enter your life. I want peace in your finances. Know that God wants to bring peace in our financial realm. I want peace in every area of your life. My rule extends to every area of your life. I am here to bring peace. 
Can I tell you that the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem is this nice, cute, safe, distant story if we want it to be. But when we realize that He is coming, and He is coming, and He is coming into our lives, but we have to accept Him for who He is, not who we demand Him to be. Say, Lord, You've created my life. You've created the environment of my life because You want me to seek You. You know, it's not an accident you're sitting there today, sitting in those seats. God had you at the church at Indian Lake, whether you're a member this morning or whether you're here with family. God had you here for a reason because He's inviting you to connect with Him. He said, I want to come into your life and I want to be close to you. Would you stand with me at this time? We love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for a, a, a simplicity in your Word, Lord, that brings light and understanding to our ignorance. Lord, we... I'm not afraid to say it. We're stupid people, Lord. We are ignorant people. We are unwise and we are foolish in our ways, but Your Word has made us wise. And Lord, the revelation of Your Son, Lord, and I thank You for new passion for Jesus. Passion for Jesus in this place. I speak passion for Jesus over this place. You know, many of you have passion for church. You have passion for religion. You have passion for what you want to see. Not the same. The institutions of man, it is not the same. There's passion for Jesus that burns in our hearts. That burns in our hearts and that needs to burn in our hearts. We don't have passion for ministry. We have passion for Jesus. And I want to speak over you a new king coming to your life a king of peace a king of righteousness let him reign let him reign in this place today and as we move into a time of ministry that's what i'm going to ask you to do connect to this particular personality known as jesus of christ jesus of nazareth jesus christ he is a distinct person he is alive. He is real. And He wants to enter your life today. Here He comes. Here He comes. He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He's coming in a gentle way. Because He's gentle, you can miss Him. Some of you are in danger of missing Him this morning. He's coming to you. He's coming gentle. And He's here to bring His peace. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.